We as humans are obsessed, as Liz Gilbert puts it, pathologically so, with purpose. How do we find it? How do we fulfill it? And almost most important of all, how do we make a living off of it? The world overtly insinuates our purpose and profession should intertwine, but should they? (laughs) I couldn't help but wonder. (laughs) Should Should my purpose and my profession intertwine? Should my love of shoes? (laughs) Are you my purpose? (laughs) That's what we're talking about today. We are talking about the elusive nature and the maddening demand (laughs) to seize our purpose. Welcome to One Fry Short, you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other. We are not experts. Not even close. But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place. Yeah, I'm very sorry, everyone, about last week. Me, Jamie, could not get her shit together. It was just one of those weeks where I I could not. Yeah. The good thing is, is that we have a mental health podcast, (laughs) and so it gives us a get-out-of-jail-free pass. (laughs) I was, I, I was gonna, it. I was gonna like even post like a video of me being like, I'm really sorry, you know, but I couldn't, couldn't even get, get my, that together. I couldn't even get my shit together together enough to do that. Yeah, social content is hard. Um, so I'm sorry about that. It's my fault. But this week we're gonna make up for it because we're gonna give you a really good one. Mm-hmm. This week we are talking about purpose anxiety, and this episode came about because Rachel sent me this amazing clip from an interview with Kate C. Bowler and Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic. And it was this, maybe we'll include like a little snippet of that quote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Liz was talking about how like this, she called it a pathological obsession with finding our purpose. I made a note of every single thing she said. Yeah, me too. Okay, good. Um, I have been saddled with this like need to find and access my purpose my whole life. And for a long time, it felt like my purpose I guess my I guess the core of this conversation really for me is should our purpose intersect with our profession. Mm-hmm. Um so when we talk about purpose it's like what are you put on this earth to do? Mm-hmm. No fucking pressure. <laughs> and you know there's lots of magic formulas out there that self-help gurus talk about you know, in how to unlock your higher purpose on this earth. Yeah. But it's a very intimidating ask. And it can make me super anxious if I feel like I am not fulfilling it or if I'm doing something that feels like it's taking me away from it. Mm-hmm. But, it but, then, <laughs> but then I go into overdrive of like, is this even it? Yeah. Okay, so I I think there's two parts to that. Yeah. The first part is a culture that 
tells you that your profession is your purpose. Because believe it or not, there are cultures that don't believe your purpose has anything to do with your profession. Um, I think like in Indonesia, they feel they're, they feel fulfilled as people if they are helping their community. So if your neighbor is in financial need, you help them with that. If um, you see someone struggling on the street, you go and help them pick up the groceries that they dropped. Little moments like that are what make them feel fulfilled as a person. Um, but whereas in Japanese culture, they're purpose and their worth comes from working. So two vastly different cultures telling them what their purpose is. The second is there's this song that I was singing this morning because I feel like it encapsulates how I'm feeling right now. Do you know the one that's like, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I'm rushing, rushing till life's no fun. Is this a country song? I think so. Don't judge me for that. (laughs) It's like, all I really got to do is live and die. I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Right. So you feel this urgency urgency to find your purpose because you don't know, oh, I could die tomorrow. I could die tomorrow. And what will I have done? What will I have left behind? And I feel that deeply. I feel like every hobby I want to get done, I need to do now. I want to learn how to make bread and I want it to be really good. I want to paint. I want to... There's so many things I want to do, and I, I want to do it all now. And it's because of this fear of, like, I could die tomorrow. And it's, I guess where that comes from is because when we're dead, we don't know if we did all those things. I guess it comes <laughs> down to, like, what we're leaving behind, right? Or is it the joy that the hobbies bring you? But if we're stressing out to no, do all No, I think, it, I think, like, so your your definition is, like, I need to do all these things before I die. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way. Like, okay. I don't feel the urgency to do a bunch of stuff. I feel the urgency to make the deepest impact that I can and use the skills that I have and the talents that I have to live my highest life. Just like a wet towel that you're just like squeezing dry to get everything yeah, out of it that you feel like you yeah, need to yeah. get every ounce of you out. That yes. You yes. And any professional roadblock that I have faced in my life, it is, it, it sets me, um, it affects me deeply mm-hmm. because I spiral about, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I in the wrong career? Am I in the wrong profession? Am I really not that great at what I think I'm great at? Um, and then I see people like my husband who is really good at his job and he really likes his job, but does he feel like it's his purpose? Probably not. He doesn't think about it like that. Yeah. Like, do you think your purpose is being a mom or one of them? Yeah. When I was thinking about what is my purpose. Yeah. It definitely feels like the most important thing I'm doing right now and putting energy into is my children. And I think that's what's hard when you, I think moms face this like reckoning of identity of like, wait, is this who I am now? I think there's more to me than this. But because your children aren't robots, they have really bad days, they have really bad weeks and months. And then you're like, oh my God, if my purpose was to raise a 
good child. Look at how they're acting. I'm failing. I need to try something else that I could be good at because I'm not good at this. I think there's so many that that is such a deep one because like, do fathers feel like their purpose is their children? I don't know. I I don't think I can speak for all men, but I feel like no. (laughs) Well, and I think it's more common to ask the mother in a parenting relationship, do you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose as a mom? Yeah. You don't really. And, you know, carrying on the human race in general. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you're not really asking, like, from my perspective, there's not a lot of like, dad, do you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose? Like, it makes me kind of laugh because it's like, I think they would see it as maybe one of them. But I think in reality, it's one of the biggest things we as humans can do is to raise a kind human. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, so something that Liz said that was so powerful when she goes on to that pathological tant, like, or tant, rant, Mm -hmm. tangent, that you talk about, do you want to, list out what she said yeah okay okay (laughs) this feels so this feels like every entrepreneur it does so i'm it's not going to be as funny as her delivery or as poignant but she was basically like what is my purpose and how do i fulfill my purpose and not only do i need to fulfill my purpose but I need to monetize my purpose. Mm -hmm. And not only do I need to monetize my purpose, I need to bring other people along with me in this monetization of my purpose. And not only do I need to do that, I need to make a lasting impact on the world. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny and it's so real. Like everything she said, I was like, yes. Like it feels like, and it's it goes back to this thing of like <laughs> i she said something in this podcast she was talking to a friend and she was like i want to do this and the friend was like okay but can you just not overdo it yeah can you just do it just to do it and not ask anything of it like i paint in my spare time sometimes if i'm feeling mentally well enough to do so mm-hmm. and connor is always like you need to sell your shit you need to sell your stuff and i'm like uh uh-uh, uh i'm not going to do it because it's like i don't i don't want to put i i i don't then it becomes something yeah and it's like equal parts like i don't feel like i'm good enough to sell it but i also just don't want to you mm-hmm. know what i mean and mm-hmm. it's like it goes back to the what you wrote on our Substack about hobbies. Like, can we have hobbies? Are hobbies our purpose? Like, yeah. So that's kind of what she said. She said, if you're not part of that, that list that she made was like, if you're not monetizing it, then it's just a hobby. Right. And (laughs) which is so true. But something she said was that, why do we feel this calling to have a purpose when just existing is hard and beautiful enough. Right. And it's so true. Why do we feel like we need to do these things when we can just live? And so... Survive. <laughs> survive. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I I question... So my purpose has always felt... I've always felt this strong desire to help people. Every initiative I've done is like, oh, because 
there are people out there who feel this way and I don't want them to feel this way and I want to help them or, you know, because people need to know to vote or people need to get the vaccine. Are you an Enneagram too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge helper. But at the, I become a very unhealthy too very quickly because I need to do everything big. And, and and like to the your best ability. Yes. Yeah. But I think there's so much ego wrapped in that. That's what I suffer from is I told Brian like to feel like my purpose is to give back and make an impact in someone else's life feels like there's an ego involved like I need to help you. I need to make an impact in your life. Do you not I I, feel I, that I think that's a very like self I think I think I see what you're saying. I I think you're being a little hard on yourself when you, when you say that. Like I can see I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. But I, when I interact with you, you you're like the least thing of egoic. So, you know, I I can, I can see where you're coming from. You're like trying to help people to fulfill a need within yourself and you feel like you can save people from stuff from yeah. stuff. Yeah. But I, I think that's more of a calling than it is about your ego. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. I think the hard part is that in our culture, time is money. Yeah. And so if, you know, we kind of get trapped in that with this podcast, we spend a lot of time on it, not only preparing for ep- episodes, but recording them, editing them, promoting them. And it's like, you feel like in order to have something be taken seriously, you need to be successful at it. Someone the other day at book club was like, oh, are you work? What do you do like to work? And I was like, oh, I'm not working right now. And I was like, do I say the podcast? Cause I do spend a lot of energy on it, but like, that's silly. Like, I feel like unless you're successful and really well-known and making a lot of money for something, you can't claim it. Claim it, like a hobby, like exactly what I said. It feels like hobby. women's hobbies are like kind of frivolous and silly. And and so there's that struggle that kind of goes into it too. Um, they, on this podcast, they talked about um, – <laughs> We take callings, you know, like the calling to paint or write or cook or lead or whatever, and we turn it into a grind. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's true. I know. I've done it my entire professional life. Yeah. I did it. So fashion in my resume out of college, I literally wrote, I have a passion for fashion, which makes me want to vomit. (laughs) But and how I even got jobs from that is embarrassing. But like, I loved the creativity of putting together an outfit and a whole look like the hair, the makeup, the ear, like, I loved it. And I so I was like, okay, well, I guess this is what I need to do since I like it. And I went to school for fashion. And I got an internship at Max Mara in New York City. And then I got a job working for a celebrity stylist. Max Mara? Yeah. I didn't even know what it was at the time. When were you there? Summer of 20... No, 2009. No, it was 2010. Summer of 2010. And then I graduated in December and 
went up and worked for a fashion celebrity fashion stylist. I was doing the job that quote unquote, a million girls would die for. And it felt so, it was very cool. I met awesome people, but I was like, this is not help. This isn't worth the stress. I'm not, we're not saving lives here. Like a and my the stylist I worked for was awesome about that. She wasn't the Rachel Zoe that we saw on TV where she's literally dying. If a package doesn't come in, she's like, it's not the end of the world. But I was like, this isn't it. And I went and worked for a fashion PR company where our job was representing clothing brands and getting them on celebrities and getting press for it. And I was two years into that. And I'm like, this is like, I wouldn't even want to open a fashion magazine anymore because it was my job. It's what I did like 10, 12 hours a day and weekends. And so I completely lost interest in it. And then I felt like this whole part of myself that I had loved for so long and was like kind of a part of my identity was gone. And, and I was like, what do I do from here? So it is, it's like, I don't know. I think our generation and maybe Gen Z feels like if we need to work, it needs to be um, for the good of society. You know, like we and I think that's why so many companies have foundations and feel like this is what we're doing with our carbon footprint. And this is because not only because it's what, you know, society is trending towards in general, but because employees want to work for a company that is doing good. Yeah. And I think it's probably a fair assessment to say that, you know, Gen Z millennials are more purpose-driven than any of the prior generations because we have a bias for action and we have so much information at our fingertips that make us want to change things. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we see the distress in the workplace over grinding. (laughs) We see the inequity of, you know, parenthood. We see the injustice that happens in the world and the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. And we want to take it on somehow. Like you and I are taking on with this podcast, you know, the epidemic of anxiety and depression. Mm Mm-hmm which feels like it's at an all-time high. Um, but it, it's it's interesting to, you know, when I think about people who like are really in touch with their purpose and who have monetized their purpose and who are making a living off of their purpose, ironically, that is Li- Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> like she has written incredible books and, you know, she has done the damn thing mm-hmm. and she can make fun of herself because she was obsessed with her calling and mm-hmm. she turned it into a super lucrative living. Yeah. But like, does it have to be at that level? And it feels like if we don't reach that level, like what you were saying earlier, it's goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some, I wonder if it's a personality thing. I think some people, like you were saying, Connor, can work and separate living from work. Whereas maybe more sensitive, deep feeling people like us feel like our work needs to bring us some sort of joy. It needs to bring us, you know, 
satisfaction and purpose. And I think for people like us, something that Liz had said was like, if you stop grinding and just kind of rest, wait for the creativity, wait for the sign to hit you. And that's kind of what the, I like pivot a lot in my life. Yeah. And all of my big pivots have kind of come from that. Well, we talked about this a little bit last week when we had a failed attempt at recording the podcast because I forgot the memory card. But you you said something like you were in between you were in between opportunities. Mm-hmm. And you were like driving yourself crazy with what you were going to do next mm-hmm. and it eventually came up and you said you wish you could have just told yourself like yes. this is going to happen in August. Chill out. Like calm down. Yeah. Like sit down, take a nap. And she and and Liz said in this podcast, wait for the next right thing. Mm-hmm. What is the next right thing? Instead of being like consumed with like, how am I gonna get another job that takes me closer to my purpose? Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, you made it to the end of our show. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and leave a review. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. It will only cause us to spiral. We also want to reiterate that we are not experts, but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are. Join in on the conversation on our Substack page at One Fry Short Pot. See you there.